Welcome to the summary series on the book Internal Family Systems, 2nd Edition by Richard Swartz and Martha Sweezy. I'm clinical psychologist Peter Malinowski. I am IFS trained at level three. I've also done couples training in IFIO, and I have great appreciation for the IFS model, the Internal Family Systems Therapy model. I'm so excited about it that I wanted to bring it as to as many people as possible, and I thought that I would create a little lecture series that highlights and explains important parts of each chapter of this book. Now, I'm not going to be reading the chapter to you. I don't think that's necessary, but I think it's great when we can engage with material through hearing it. It's great for those who are auditory learners, who love to learn by listening, and I am somebody that very much loves to learn by listening. It's convenient for listening in the car, if you're working out, if you're doing chores. Now, the work that I'm going to be presenting is that of Dick Schwartz and Martha Sweezy. I'm going to present some new angles on it. I'm going to expand on some of the topics for clarity, but this is their work. The goal is greater consolidation of the conceptual learning, really solidifying the basic concepts in this book. It's a whole nother way to grip on to the brilliant material that Dick Schwartz has brought together that Martha Swayze has helped to organize in this book. So we're going to go ahead and get started with chapter one, the origins of internal family systems therapy. Dick tells us that Internal family systems therapy came up from the synthesis of two paradigms. The first paradigm was that of the plural mind, and the second was that of systems thinking. So let's start with the plural mind. The plural mind argues that we all contain many different parts. A mind that is in conversation with itself denotes a non-unitary relational mind. Well, what does that mean? It means that we're not monolithic personalities. It means that we have parts. These parts relate with each other, and they relate with ourselves, the core self. And there's internal dilemmas, there's polarizations, there's alliances, there's all kinds of things going on in the psyche because it's multiple. Systems thinking. What's systems thinking? Well, Dick was a therapist trained in family systems, and he brought systems thinking inside. He brought family systems thinking inside the individual intrapsychically. I think this is a tremendous advance in therapy. I think Dick's popularizing this of systems thinking brought intrapsychically is on a par with Freud's popularizing of the unconscious. That's my own assessment of how important this is. Intrapsychic processes constitute a system. Now, what, what are we talking about when we say intrapsychic processes constitute a system? Well, that means that within our psyches, within who we are, within ourselves, we have these processes that are happening among parts that work in such a way that it becomes a system. And we're going to talk a lot more about systems in chapter two, so stay tuned for that. But one thing to know now is that systems are nested within each other. So within me, I have a system of myself and parts. And that system is nested in my family system with my spouse and my children. That's nested within my community. I live in Indianapolis, so I've got a, a network, a system of people that I'm connected with in my community, in my culture, and then even broader, the world. 
What we focus on in internal family systems is to understand the network of relationships among the members of the system. So within my intra-psychic system, within the system that's inside of me, I'm going to be looking at the way that the members of that system, which is myself and my parts, how they interact. If I'm thinking about my family system, my, my spouse, my children, I'm going to be thinking about how the members of that system, which are me and my wife and my kids, how we are interacting, right? And on and on as we get to bigger and broader systems. IFS assumes that people have all the resources that they need. So there's a focus on accessing those resources, not bringing in resources from outside, not the therapist providing resources, but helping the client access the resources that are already existing within his or her system. When, when the self is free, when it's not taken over by the parts, when it's not dominated by the parts through blending, the client's self knows what to do, how to act, and how to connect and care for parts. IFS therapy is non-pathologizing. It's not focused on the deficits that exist in the person. It doesn't really think about it in that way. We don't think about it in that way with IFS. We definitely recognize that some behaviors are maladaptive and harmful to the person and to the person's relationships, but we're not focused on diagnosing disease or abnormality. Rather, we're looking at those actions as being motivated by positive intentions among the parts of the system and we're trying to understand and provide different options and foster the client coming up with new options. So a few principles about family systems, and this is really important if you weren't systems trained. I wasn't trained in systems. I wasn't, I'm not a family therapist. I'm a clinical psychologist, primarily did individual therapy. So the, the whole understanding of systems was new to me when I got involved with IFS. One of the principles is that changes in one aspect of any system can have unforeseen, unintended, and often powerful consequences in connected systems. So if you start, you know, if, if changes start happening in one element of the system, in one member of the system, that's going to affect the whole system. And it's going to affect systems that are related to that system. Systems try to maintain homeostasis. So what is homeostasis? That means basically a kind of regularity or kind of continuity. There's an innate inertia in the system. There's this pull to resist change within the system, a kind of natural inertia. And, the, and, and one of the amazing things that Dick found when he was starting to work internally with people's systems is that when he asked parts of the person to step back and give some space, like he did in family systems and family therapy, taking that inside, parts would actually cooperate. That was an amazing discovery. And it led him to understand that there's, a, there's an analogy, there's a continuity of systems inside ourselves and outside ourselves. So what are some of the discoveries or some of the major insights from IFS therapy? Systems thinking encourages us to be ecologically sensitive. So now, what, what do we mean ecologically sensitive? We're talking about an ecology when we're talking about a system, right? It has a particular way of operating, just like an ecology in the natural world, just like an ecology in nature. There are ecological factors and processes that happen within us. 
And so let's just take resistance as an example. Now, I was trained psychodynamically and, and worked psychoanalytically for 15 years as a psychologist. One, resistance was seen as something that you got over, that you got through, that you attempted to, to, uh, to, to work through, work around. Resistance, though, in IFS is understood as the often correct response or protector parts to potential threats to the system. It's not just something that's gratuitous. It's not something that's just, you know, being difficult or something like that. No, resistance has a meaning and a purpose for the protector part that is not just going along with whatever the move is in therapy in the moment. Protectors need to be understood. They need to be appreciated. They need to be they need to be comforted before the therapist tries to approach vulnerable parts. We need to respect we need to respect protectors and we need to respect their roles and how they function in the system. We don't want to charge into somebody's system like a bull in a china shop and disrupt things. We need to be very careful and very respectful in the way that we approach another human being, another person's system. The job of the protector parts is to make sure that the proposed therapy will not make matters worse for the client system. This is straight from the book. Those protectors, they have their boots on the ground. They know a lot about the delicate balances in that eternal ecology of the client system. And the clinician needs to respect them and work with the protector parts, not work against them, not get polarized with them. And protectors, they have the right to vet the therapist for competence and safety before granting access to the inner system. The therapist needs to be worthy of the trust of the protectors. And how do we become worthy as therapists? The therapist has to lead from the self. The therapist needs to be self-led. And we're, in future chapters, we're going to go into that in a lot more detail. But that essentially means that we have our own systems well integrated, that we're working with our own systems and our own parts well, and that there's a sense of peace and calm and a sense of well-being that emanates from that. That's what it means in, 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 in brief. Extreme protectors will usually not change until the system is less vulnerable. We don't want to pressure protector parts to change. We don't want to go in with an agenda of our own. We want to invite them. We want to collaborate with them. We want to do this in this very respectful way. We want to work with them and invite them to liberation from their burdensome roles if they allow the client's self to lead. You're going to hear that a lot about being self-led. We are going to be working with these protectors to eventually unblend when the internal conditions are right. When the internal conditions are right and when the parts can see that the internal conditions are right. We're going to invite those protectors to consider what roles they would like if the exiled parts that they protect are healed and no longer need protection. So these protectors are guarding against really heavy duty intensity within the person's system. The kind of intensity that can overwhelm, the kind of intensity that can really destabilize the person. This didn't come from nowhere. And so we need to be thinking again in terms of the entire system, not just the one protector part or not just the part that's carrying the burden of trauma, but we wanna be thinking about the whole system. That's what systems thinking is all about. And we want to restore trust in the self, 
Because as Dick says, that's the quickest route to improved leadership and inner harmony. We're not interested in the therapist providing all the answers. IFS really looks to the client's self to provide the answers. The primary role of the therapist is to be a companion, to accompany the client's self and the client's parts on this journey of healing. The role of the therapist is not actually to be the primary therapist. What we want is for the client's self to be the primary therapist, and we assist the client's self. As a secondary focus of what we're doing, the therapist also can help with corrective relational experiences, healing relational experiences. We invite clients to notice that parts that have blended with the self, that's when parts come in, they take over, they start dominating, kind of like in that movie Inside Out, the Pixar movie, when the the different little characters would take over the control panel. That's kind of like what blending is. When When we invite parts that have blended with the self, that are in control, that are running the show, to step back and to notice that when they step back, those parts can have a relationship with the self. Those parts can connect with the self and have a relationship with the self, which isn't possible when they're fused or blended with the self. Right? There's got to be some distance there so that the self and the part can be in relationship. And when that happens, all kinds of possibilities become uh, apparent. All kinds of possibilities are now on the table that weren't available before. Protectors fear one another. Protectors fear exiles. There's so much fear that drives the behaviors of protectors. So we are going to be looking at when parts become polarized with each other. And that means in opposition to one another, locked in a kind of internal combat with each other. We're going to look at what happens when the self of the client, which has the innate role of guiding and directing the entire self system, when the self is able to mediate that and make those situations much less, uh, much less contentious, much less um, intense, then all kinds of great things can happen and there's a possibility for greater integration. We're going to expect in IFS that therapists be respectful and non-pathologizing. We all have parts, and parts are talented and resourceful, but they can be constrained by traumatic events. We need to understand that this isn't, again, just gratuitous or just random or just came out of nowhere. No, there's a history to why parts do what they do. And for us to be really open and mindful and thoughtful is something that we really need. One of the beautiful things about IFS is that we can move the therapeutic focus from one system level to another system level. So we can move from the intrapsychic for one person in family therapy to the level of the family in in family therapy, for example. So we can make those shifts. And then systems thinkers, this is a great point by Dick and Martha in the book, believe that living organisms have the capacity to self-heal, that there's this capacity for healing if you can remove the obstacles to that healing. This happens in our bodies, right? When we get a cut or a bruise, 
often it just heals on its own. But when something gets in the way of that healing, that's when we can effectively help the client self re- regain that sense of leadership within the client's system. So kind of to sum this up in the conclusion, the, the goal of IFS therapy is to help clients become self-led. We want the client's self to be in charge of the system, connecting with the parts, I argue loving the parts, right? This is where you can have an ordered kind of self-love and and the parts also coming to know the self and trust the self and to trust in that self's leadership. So important if we're going to have a sense of calm, a sense of connection, a sense of courage. These are some of the eight C's that I'm starting to bring up, the eight C's of self-leadership. We'll get into those much more in a future chapter. But that's what the goal is. The goal of IFS therapy is to help clients become self-led. Then there's going to be that peace. Then there's going to be that calm. There's going to be that confidence. There's going to be that compassion. And there's also going to be like creativity. There's going to be all kinds of wonderful things that the client now has access to. They were there before, but now the client has access to them. So it's not like we're sort of trying to put in components it's not like we're trying to you know, add transistors and resistors and CPU boards and so forth if you want to use a computer analogy. No, we're just helping do a little soldering because everything's already there. We're just making connections so that the client can have those resources. All right, so that's it for chapter one. I look forward to, you, to connecting with you on chapter two when we'll be getting into individuals as systems.